For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. Hi, I'm Tony Dunbach, and I'm the lead pastor of Clearview Community Church, one church in multiple locations serving the communities of the Georgian Triangle. Thank you for joining with us today. Now, the promise I just read from Isaiah was written about 740 years before the birth of Jesus. The Messiah would come. He would carry the hopes and dreams of not just the nation, but of all people. His kingdom would not be a temporary fix, but would make right what was wrong and bring healing to the broken. Now, for hundreds of years, the people would repeat the promise. Even in their greetings, Shalom, the Hebrew people were looking forward to the kingdom that would come. For hundreds of years, they waited and they hoped. And now the time had come. So skipping forward some 700 plus years, it was on the evening of Jesus' birth that there were shepherds watching their flocks out in the fields around Bethlehem. Luke, the second chapter, tells us the story. In verse 9, we read that one angel appeared to them and that the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. Now, have you ever wondered what the angels thought? You know, a lot of people think that angels know everything like God, but they don't. The Bible says that God has made man a little lower than the angels. They have spiritual bodies. We're limited to the, phys limited to the physical. The angels are God's messengers. They take the word that God gives them and share it with those to whom they are sent. Now, I can just imagine the angels trying to understand how God's plan was going to work. How is it that God himself can become human? I don't know how much of God's plan they understood, but the Bible tells us their reaction. These angels were created before man. They had seen the fall of mankind. They had witnessed the rebellion of Lucifer and had opposed him. They had seen the misery brought to the earth as a result of the sin of man. And now one of them had been sent by God to declare to a bunch of shepherds that the Savior was born. Why shepherds? Well, the Bible tells us that God is no respecter of persons. And what that simply means is that God doesn't show favoritism. He looks at us all the same, whether we're rich or poor, tall or short, fat or skinny, black or white, male or female, so he sent his angel to the average everyday man. Shepherding was probably the most common occupation of that day. If Jesus had been born today, the angel probably would have been sent to a bunch of laborers, just ordinary, hardworking people. But I want you to notice what happens when the angel makes his announcement. Now, I don't know whether or not the angels had heard this message before, but I like to think that as this messenger was delivering his message to the shepherds, there were a bunch of angels listening in. 
And as soon as the message is done, in verse 13, we read this. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. A great company. How many is that? Hundreds? Thousands? I try to imagine what that would be like, just for a moment to see into the supernatural. It must have been absolutely breathtaking. But though the spectacle was only for the shepherds, the message was for us. On earth, peace to men. It was the gift of peace that was being trumpeted by this huge angelic choir, peace. It was a simple yet startling declaration. In this child, God was offering peace to men. Now, I often speak about some of the more difficult sayings of Jesus. I think it's important to look at all that he had to say. In Matthew 10, 34, for example, he says something that takes a lot of people by surprise. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, this sounds strange to us, particularly in light of the fact that as the angels announced to the shepherds the birth of Jesus in Luke 2.14, they said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. So what is Jesus speaking of here? The two statements sound like opposites. But in actuality, they are not. Christ's purpose in coming here was to be an ambassador of God to man, the goodwill of God toward men, and to wage war against Lucifer, the prince of darkness. He came to set up his kingdom, which would be a safe haven for anyone who would accept God's forgiveness and enter. But this kingdom was also declared to be a force in this world that would fight evil, Jesus said that he would build his church, and the gates of hell would not stand against it. His work is accomplished. Now, in his life, death, and resurrection, he destroyed the work of Satan for all who would claim that victory. In that same work, he offers peace to the heart of every man who will receive him. Now, peace is a big word. The dictionary defines peace as a state of mental or physical quiet or tranquility, or the absence or cessation of war, also as a state of reconciliation after strife or enmity. And Jesus gives us the third of these, a state of reconciliation after strife or enmity. He also gives a new definition of peace that is not included in the dictionary definition, rest for the soul. See, since the fall, mankind has been running from God, trying to hide from the consequences of their, our, disobedience. See, we ignored the prophets, the law, the priests, everybody. But the angels announced, and on earth, peace to men. God sent his Son to reconcile the world back to himself. 2 Corinthians 5 and 19 tells us that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Now, reconciling means bringing back together. Now, aren't you glad that God decided to bring us back together? A question needs to be asked here. If man and God are reconciled, why are still so many running from God? Well, perhaps an illustration best answers that question. Two years after the United States Civil War had ended, a man went into the mountains of North Carolina to spend a few weeks of his summer vacation. 
He climbed the mountain and descended the other side into the densest valley. And to his surprise, he stumbled upon a little cottage surrounded by a few acres of cultivated land. As he approached, the door was barred against him. Only after a long discussion was the door finally opened to him. He found two men living there who had been there for nearly three years. They had deserted from the Confederate army and they'd built themselves a cottage and they'd raised from the soil enough to live on, always watching for any signs of the army. The war had been over for two years. Peace had long since been declared, but they had not heard about it. Well, here's the thing. Your peace has been declared for much longer than that. Have you accepted it? Our peace has been made by Jesus Christ. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14, speaking of Jesus, that he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. The peace treaty has been signed. The price of pardon has been paid, that being the blood of Jesus Christ. Yet men, like those two soldiers, are still running from the war. Many today are trying to make peace their own way. Some are trying to earn it by being as good as they possibly can, doing as many good works as possible. Others try to buy peace by giving as much as they can to good causes. But there is only one way to peace. Submission to the terms God has set forth for us. Absolute surrender. Now, in return for this surrender, we get a wonderful gift, the gift of peace. Now, as Jesus was preparing to face the cross, he told his disciples in John chapter 14 and verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, there are three things that Christ tells his disciples in this verse. First of all, my peace I give you. To the disciples, this was a tremendous need. They had been with Jesus now for three years. They had seen him in all of the situations of life, and he had always had such a calm demeanor. When the disciples were in the boat and they were all running around trying to figure out how to keep the boat afloat in the storm, where was Jesus? When they finally found him, he was sleeping peacefully in the hold. He said to the storm, peace be still. And it was. He brought peace of mind to the woman at the well and the demoniac and many others. And now he told his disciples, my peace I give unto you. Secondly, he said, my peace is not like the peace of the world. How did the world give peace in Jesus' day? Well, at every meeting, the Jews would say to each other, Shalom, which means peace. And actually, the imagery is of the kingdom of God. That is the peace of which they speak. When the custom began of greeting one another like that, they were encouraging each other that the day of peace was coming. And Jesus was saying, I'm not telling you just about a peace to come. I give you peace now. See, a man can say peace and prosperity all that he wants, but it doesn't make a difference. Not so with Jesus. When Jesus says, I give you peace, the storm stops. The fighting is over. Thirdly, he said, do not be troubled. Don't be afraid. He tells them finally not to be anxious or afraid. 
Only Jesus can say this and really know what he's talking about. See, only Jesus provided the peace and security they needed to not be troubled and to not be afraid. The disciples grasped this peace that Christ offered and lived abundant lives while enduring horrible hardships because of it. When Paul and Silas were beaten and thrown in prison for preaching the gospel, do we find them worrying about what to do next? No, incredibly, we find them singing praises at midnight. Paul received a prophecy from a friend that he would be bound if he went to Rome. But Paul had the peace of God, and he went anyway, eventually to die there. Amid war and rumors of war today, it is only Christ who can speak peace to your heart. Amid unemployment and recession, violence and family problems, only Christ can bring us peace. See, this world is being shaken by spiritual forces that have men's hearts failing them for fear. But in Christ, there is peace. Acts 10 verse 36 tells us that God is preaching peace by Jesus Christ. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, may I bring love. Where there is malice, pardon. Where there is discord, harmony. Where there is error, truth. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, your light. Where there is sadness, may I bring joy. O Master, may I seek not so much to be comforted as to comfort, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in losing our lives that we shall find them. It is in forgiving that we shall be forgiven. It is in dying that we shall rise up to eternal life. That was the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. Now, the story is told of a family in an American city who lived in a very nice neighborhood. There was a teenager in the family who was just preparing to graduate from high school. Being the affluent neighborhood that it was, the custom had been that the reward for graduation was a car. <laughs> now, that's a nice neighborhood. I didn't live in that neighborhood, by the way. And so this young man, he was thrilled when his father, on weekends leading up to graduation, had taken him out to look at cars. That young man knew what was coming. Now, finally, the day arrived. All of the graduates proudly received their diplomas. And after the reception, the young man returned home with his family. His mind was already racing to that beautiful red sports car that he and his dad had settled on. This was a great day. He got in the house and his dad went and got a gift about yay big. And the boy had a confused look on his face as he began to open the present. His father had given him a Bible. A Bible! In a rage, he threw the Bible to the floor as he complained bitterly to his father about what he had done to him. And as the father tried to get him to calm down, the boy stormed out of the house. He never saw his father alive again. After some 30 years, he was finally drawn home by word that his father had passed away. He didn't seem to feel any remorse. He was very businesslike as he began to go through the personal effects and the part of his father's estate that was left to him. And as he went through a box of valuables, he happened upon something 
that struck him, and he immediately felt tears spring to his eyes. It was the Bible. His father had saved it all of these years. This was the first time that he'd ever really looked at it. As he opened the cover, he couldn't stop the tears from flowing as he read the loving message that his father had written to him some 30 years ago. It spoke of how proud he was of him, of the hopes he had for him. He told him how he wanted him to grow to know God, and there on the inside page of the Bible lay a cashier's check for the exact amount of that beautiful red sports car he and his father had picked out so long ago. His dad had kept it all these years. He'd never cashed it. He just waited and hoped that his boy would accept the gift that he so wanted to give him. That middle-aged man just sat and wept as he thought of all the wasted opportunities and the lonely times came flooding back. If only. There's some gaps we're gonna have to cut out. So what about you? See, God has been offering you peace all of your life. Are you angry because it's not wrapped the way that you like it? Today, as we begin this Christmas season, wouldn't it be a good time to accept the peace that God has provided for you? Would you pray with me today? Dear God, we thank you for this Christmas season and for the reminder that Jesus came into the world to provide a way that we could be brought back into relationship with you. Your word tells us that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, we willingly and thankfully accept your offer today and invite you, Prince of Peace, to dwell in our hearts. Help us to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, if you've prayed this prayer, we'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at the email address on your screen, and we can help you to discover the next steps on your journey. God bless you for that. So depart in peace and take with you the certain knowledge that Jesus is always coming into the world. We will seek Jesus, not just in a long-ago stable or ancient manger, but in the people we meet and in the depths of our own hearts. May the blessing of Christmas make you a blessing to others. May the peace of the season pervade all that you do. May we go forth in hope, peace, joy, and love. And may the Christ of Christmas be yours. God bless you.